0: Welcome to the Ruth Stonehouse podcast. We're mostly talking with poets about poetry. All right, Ben Ailshire, which I have to say is like the most wonderful Hobbiton name ever. <laughs> um.
1: it's, fake, uh, it's fake Yiddish. It's like Elshide or Altshuler or something like
0: that. Oh, okay, okay.
1: Like when they came over on the boat, they were like, what is the fanciest, you know, name that we can possibly imagine. And Aelshire was it, apparently.
0: Yes, it, it's, it's, it's nice. It's lovely. <laughs> it rolls trippingly off the tongue. <laughs> so Benjamin Ailshire is a troubadour, a bard, a traveling poet, and goes all over the world when we're not in quarantine. And when we are in quarantine, apparently he's in Vermont, uh, remotely getting his MFA from NYU. You can't miss him. He's got a hat on. He's sitting in the middle of the throng writing poems on a portable typewriter for strangers. From the streets of New Orleans to Paris, Barcelona, Havana, London, San Francisco. And I love that you read a poem for Bernie Sanders. Was it about healthcare?
1: <laughs> kind of, obliquely. It was. Yeah.
0: <laughs> He's like, please don't don't let it be about healthcare. No, it was about Hillary Clinton's emails. <laughs> don't, you know Bernie. it. <laughs>
1: I won't do. I won't do my Bernie. I won't do my Bernie on on
0: your show. <laughs> I've always wanted someone to do Bernie on my show. Um, oh, but seriously, I I really loved reading about like your troubadour wars in New Orleans. Um, I I had no idea that it was such an intense scene there. Uh, but now that I think about it, like I met you when I was in New Orleans the one time I've been there for a poetry oh, yeah. festival. yeah yeah. Yeah. and um i i i had completely forgotten but then when i was reading about that i remembered seeing some like total gutter punks like uh with typewriters in like a really touristy area yeah it's a strange
1: um, yeah it's a strange scene the troubadour wars that's a pretty that's an interesting title yeah (laughs) the original the original ones the you know the medieval Occitan poets they were like they they would they would they were also sort of at war with each other and they would have these blistering like uh insult poems and things like that
0: but oh yeah. i love that i love it when you know i i i never reading about two like rival sonnets you know like you'd have like one sonnet like published in the paper like you know taking down another sonnet like <laughs> uh i just it's i mean we totally still do that and you know i've i wrote a poem against uh Um, Take that poem taking off Emily Dickinson's Clothes and I know other people have done It as well you know other people have responded To other people's poems through other poems So yeah But it would make a really hilarious Skit to have (laughs) Specifically The typewriter poem Troubadours um, Having having Daily fights It is pretty special And unique um, That you do poems on demand on a typewriter out in the world in a way like we were saying like something very ancient you know like I, I think of obviously the traveling bard um
1: yeah
0: that you know and it, it makes me think automatically of like oral the oral tradition of like poetry where you you know go to town to town and like recite these poems and I'm sure you know re- come up with poems on the spot to tell the news and whatever um yeah. But it's so different than you – I mean, you're not like a singing bard. You're not like a storyteller. You know, I mean, I don't know how to what extent you memorize things or recite things out loud because what it seems like what's specific about what you do is that you sit down in front of a typewriter and are actually writing on a piece of paper on the spot. Yeah. So it's closely linked to paper and ink, and I'm wondering – what you? What are your thoughts on yes. this? I think
1: I. I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I. I don't really think of myself as someone you know really working within a oral tradition. Although I love giving readings and things like that, um, I think it more. I think of it more in terms of like a visual artifact, almost mm. like this art object, um, which I think is part of what kind of, like, seduces the passerby. You know, it's this. I think of it as this little portal to uh an earlier time where things were actually made out of like products instead of you know mounds of plastic like shipped on giant oil tankers across the ocean from people working in a horrible factory from the time they're nine years older or or whatever like materials everything that surrounds our environment um are made of these days you know
0: but ironically it's uh, in a way a product of the industry or machinery yeah. that you're able to do this.
1: True. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, there's some layers to it for sure.
0: I mean, cause like, I mean, I know you also work in letterpress and book art. So it's mm-hmm. like a really similar phenomenon where people, you know, poets are getting so yeah. excited about like going back to the the book, you know, the tangible object, the art object. Um, but obviously the printing press was a huge revolutionary leap. Um Evolutionary and revolutionary uh, leap in in you know machinery to like mass produce written words. So yeah, but we've gone too far. To
1: the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the internet was a, yeah, the internet was a mistake. Is like uh, I forget where who said that, but it's kind of interesting what...
0: <laughs> that you're able to write poetry on the spot is not something that a lot of people are, are think. I mean, all we do is write poetry on the spot, but in private. Um, Yeah. it's definitely a thing that, uh, you know, for example, like, I know Ruth used to, Ruth Stone used to do the poetry game where she would make everybody write a poem. Cool. (laughs) Like, at a party, you know, we'd all, everyone would give, give like, a word, and then we'd have, like, a pool of words, and then everyone would have to, like, write a poem using those words within the poem somewhere. Cool. And... I only bring this up because many people, I mean, even poets, mostly poets, they feel sometimes a lot of anxiety about writing something that raw and then like sharing it immediately. Cause you have to share it too. That's like part of it mm-hmm. um, where you're like doing that, but you're like doing it for somebody else. You're giving it to them and then they're, you know, paying you back. And I know, but I know when I reading about what you've done, um, this is not about the money, obviously. Um
1: well <laughs> Well, there's like the economy of it too is is an interesting um, aspect of it, which is kind of related to music because you know the like the band that I played with, um, uh, we're called the Vermont Joy Parade. It's kind of like a um, Americana ish I guess band. And um, we would play in clubs or bars or whatever, um, and we might get paid, you know, five hundred dollars or something for like seven people and like oh, you know a couple <laughs> a couple partners or whoever were on tour with us and and we could busk you know for a few hours in the day and make that much money you know um yeah and so that's it's it's the exact same thing with with poetry I found like it, it is this way of kind of like and when I tour and stuff, I'll I'll give a reading for free at a cafe or some, you know, maybe university thing or some kind of bar or something and get paid zero. But during the day, I might make a couple hundred bucks, like, wow. know, free outside, you know, and that that will actually get me to the next town or, or whatever. Um,
0: That's so amazing. That's so wonderful. It's yeah. just like when you take poetry out of this sort of, like, allotted poetry space and like it's so immediate the way you know it's shared with another person and that's how people are willing to like make that exchange
1: Uh, yeah and then I think there's also this other element to it of like heightening yeah that pressure of it because, um well, I think a lot of people maybe assume that I have a trust fund or that I you know that I have some sort <laughs> of mysterious money. It's like, oh, yeah, he makes his living as a poet, but does he really though? And it's like, right. um, oh, yeah. but I did well, not really anymore, but I did for many years. and with that came like this kind of crushing grind of of having to, you know fulfill my financial obligations or even, you know, sometimes if I'm in some faraway city where I don't know anyone, like there are some times where I was literally one poem away from like sleeping in the street or not eating or wow. whatever. And so that kind of adds a sort of realness to it that I think is, is absent from a lot of, um, I don't know, maybe like published poetry today or something like... Uh, and, you know' yeah, there's I'm, like I'm, a
0: lot there's a lot at stake here,
1: yeah, and I'm not it's advocating like, like, you know yeah. some sort of um what noble poverty like i'm not I'm not like advocating right. noble poverty or something like that. but um I think there should be like space for more than than just kind of a you know academic kind of milkato sort of um kind of thing yeah, you mean,
0: know? yeah, and I think a lot of people don't understand what it even means to be a poet quote unquote and like live your life um sustain yourself you know it's not that if if you sort of have the vocation of like wanting to be a poet like you you do anything um that you have to to like keep doing it and you don't have to you don't have to be miserable you don't have to do a job that you don't want to do you just have to find jobs that are fulfilling enough that you can still do your writing um yeah yeah. it won't it won't suck anything out of your your soul to the point where you can't create anymore which mm. even academia can do um, yeah I definitely have talked to some poets who finally got their tenure track position and it's like they're suicidal <laughs>
1: yeah it's, I mean sometimes I find myself suddenly you know advocating for some sort of fiery like anti-academic thing and um. And I don't really feel that way. I guess like what really makes me angry is um, the way higher education higher education is used to kind of like keep out the riffraff. You mm. know what I mean? And it's like, man, I want to like I am riffraff. I want to hang out with the riffraff, and and being prevented from things like enrages me. You know, it's like i am am a I'm a first generation student, and I was looking into some of those statistics recently, um, and it's like. You know, I'm go- yeah, I'm going to NYU now and blah blah blah. And it's like the statistics of someone whose parents didn't go to college, like even going to college, even getting an undergrad degree at all, it's like the the statistics are like uh, it's pretty dismal, you know. Um yeah. and so that's like what 70 70% of the country like doesn't get a BA? It's yeah. like, uh, boom! Right off, there's this giant winnowing of seventy percent of the of the population. Yeah. You
0: know, um, I hear what you're saying completely. I, I, you know, I too personally, and then also the Stone House as an organization is not interested in in bashing um, higher education at all, or even dissuading people from it. But knowing that some major changes need to be made, and how can we help make them? You know, how how can yeah. we provide? How can we provide inspiration for new ways to educate people and like? Yeah, it's like and cause,
1: it's like I'm not anti-academic. It's more like I'm pro-academic. It's like I want it to be something that people can experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. In that sense, it's I feel very like yeah. pro-academic. I will statistically live seven years longer now. Oh, then really? than my parents. Okay. Yeah.
0: So so getting like it
1: gets like it go. It's not just and I will make like x amount more money and I will like la la la. It, it just goes on and on.
0: That's really interesting. I love that you're researching this and being aware of it. What is it like for you going from somebody who's writing poems for other people um, on the spot, and as well, of course, as working on your own poems and your own publications. Um, what's it like now is it is it a real hard right turn being in a mfa program and being in a workshop
1: yeah it's kind of a trip i mean um well for one thing i've i've i think i've continuously been in workshops like my my whole adult life but just non-academic ones like informal ones groups of friends with some wine like workshopping Mm -hmm. um with uh yeah, a bunch of Burlington poets like Meg Reynolds, you know, and um then in New Orleans too, with Elizabeth Gross and a bunch of cool poets down there. Um, so I've I've kind of been steadily involved in workshops, but yeah, it's okay. it's it's such a trip to kind of like I mean I was basically like a street person, basically, you know what I mean? Yeah. In a sense. And um like well, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I would actually be in New York. And it was one of the like really delightful kind of ironies or, or whatever you would call it is that I was working in the street in Washington square park, you know, um, like gazing up at the buildings with their purple flags and, and stuff like the NYU buildings. And now I'm like in that program, you know, um, which is really satisfying in a sense. I I'm also in the nonfiction program which which might be a little bit, Oh,
0: like, I'm sorry. Than I thought you were in the poetry program. Okay.
1: No, um I kind of I don't know. Sometimes I wish I was. I I I sort of like you know, gaze off at the at the poetry <laughs> thing always. Yeah, getting a master's degree as a writer is is like a so- solid move or something like that. But it's also I really think of it as like this trap door to just escape my life as a street poet. Because, yeah. um, you know, the project that I applied with and that I've been working on for a couple of years now is a novel about kind of an autofiction fiction novel um, oh, called Poet for Hire about, you know, it's sort of a um, picaresque, like traveling to all these different um, places and meeting all these absurd people and um, showing the poems that they wanted for me and what I gave them. And um, and so I see that as kind of a um, like a way out. Like I can kind of like, make the statement, hopefully, if I ever finish it. And, um, and then it's kind of like, okay, I did this thing, and then I can sort of completely, you know, move on and go in some other direction as a poet or...
0: Well, I'm wondering if you could read a poem for us.
1: By Sandra Atheck. The subway handrails take the square root of, I almost say, his body. And already I've said more about myself than I can of an other. What am I, a cop? Maybe it's the two long sleeves without hands, shoulders hunched for trudging. Or is the factorial of poverty the poverty of our imaginations, multiplied against themselves? The stairs resemble so many equal signs stacked up one on top of another as if equality goes on and on forever until it vanishes out of sight. That it diminishes as it goes is a trick of perspective. Everything depends on where you're standing. Take the bystander at the summit of the staircase, drenched in light from the surface world, texting obediently, backpack filled with laptop, gym clothes, ceramic water bottle, headphones I've seen in commercials, $280 in cash just because, vape pen, diploma, keys to the kingdom. That I can know even from this distance that his haircut costs more than my monthly EBT allotment also says more about me than it does about him. Every photograph is a mirror, duh, and a curation. Look, just around the corner, just outside the frame, beyond the boundary of tidy metaphor, the secret police is stuffing someone into a minivan. Hmm. Yeah, so it's funny how some of our conversation uh, is definitely um, some of my class rage maybe is uh, (laughs) starting to be articulated this fall. (laughs) But also, I, I wrote this right after, um, I mean, this was during the George Floyd protests earlier this year, and I, you know, just surfing the news is this horrifying sort of activity, um, that we're all doing, uh, maybe especially so in quarantine, because it's like, we're not even supposed to leave our houses and stuff, but one of the articles I saw was like, you know, secret police stuff someone into a minivan in, in, uh, Brooklyn or Manhattan, I can't remember exactly where it was, but, um, uh.
0: Yeah. Um, made me think of the dead Kennedys. Oh, I'm a suede denim secret police. <laughs> I have come for your run coolness. <laughs> well, I I That's see awesome. this is it's a wonderful poem. I I you know I really see your sort of prose sensibility in this poem as well. Um,
1: yeah, it was a prose poem, and then. For some reason, I was freaking out about that, and I started revising it. I kind of chopped it up into couplets.
0: I also got those long lines that, yeah. that feel like prose palmy. Um, I, I like the couplets. I think they work really well. Um,
1: yeah, I guess – yeah, I'm trying to stick this in this manuscript that I'm working on. It's called Fake News, but then there's this subtitle, uh, Poems for Bystanders. Mm. which I'm hoping we'll kind of get across that um, not all the poems, but most of them are, are, you know, ones that I've written for people in the street. And then there are some kind of um, glaring other ones that are kind of like comments on politics or, you know, yeah.
0: Yeah. You were, when we, when we did an interview for seven days recently, you were saying that it felt hard to talk about poetry Um, It seemed insane to talk about poetry right now. And yet at the same time, the only sane thing to do Mm -hmm. It seems that there, you know, there's this struggle of like trying to figure out how poetry is relevant in our minds, how, how much real estate it can take up. um, When it has been such an exhausting year politically, Mm. um, socially, emotionally. um, But at the same time, it's like, you know, if, if, it's like, if, well, if you're a real poet, it's like, you have to, you have to think about it through that lens or some, somehow, mm. but then it's, I don't know. I don't know if it's right or wrong or it means anything, but, um, I think I, I see you working those things out in this poem. So, and, and to a sort of self-consciousness in the poem about being the poet, you know, there's sort of like a, poetic poetica feeling in the first half of this poem mm. um you know that self I've, I've already said more about myself than i can about the other what am i a cop it's like it's almost like appropriation of the writer um
1: yeah that's interesting it's also this one in particular was um it was like a uh, sort of an experimental collaboration Um, that I, that I was doing for this magazine called Tele magazine, um, or tele, or I'm not exactly sure how to, uh, pronounce it, but it's, um, yeah, it's like a game of telephone. And so I, uh, with both visual artists and, you know, it could be anything film video, you know, it could be writing, poetry, art, painting, whatever. And so, um, one at a time, um, you're, someone is given, uh, something and then you make a response to it in whatever genre. You do. So I was given this black and white photo of this person kind of trudging up these uh, subway stair stairway um, in a long coat. And then there's this kind of guy at the top um, bathed in light and stuff. And so, yeah, the poems responding to that. It's, It's kind of funny to receive like a black and white photo and be like, well, what do you think of this? is essentially what happened. And so I was like, wow, what am I, a cop? Like, you know, I felt like this detective being okay. ha- being handed this photo, like, you know, was this the guy, you know, was this the – or like a still from one of the surveillance cameras maybe or, right. you know.
0: Yeah, that's really, really interesting. Um, and so in that way, it's a um, – It's a uh, – fantastic. Okay, Iqfrasic God yeah, yeah. completely went out of my head. I only teach whole classes on it. Um <laughs> uh an Iqfrasic poem, and then also really just like a metaphor for like how the poet sort of works. Um, that in that so many poems are these sort of instances of the poet witnessing a small moment, an ordinary moment even, and making it and and saying, This is interesting, focus in on this. Um, while meanwhile, off screen there's you know, somebody being thrown into the back of a van uh it seemed there was a sort of anger in this poem about the fact that the poet isn't seeing that
1: um Mm. well I do think you know it's funny like now I'm kind of noticing it's becoming a little trendier to like write about fascism or anti-capitalism or something which is great that's that's love like I am not uh you know miffed at that or something but I do remember when it was it was like I've been writing what, you know, political poems for, for many years. And I, I just remember kind of encountering so much sort of, yeah, kind of resistance or sort of dismissal, like, you know, that the political poetry is like some little t- tribal realm in the, in the provinces and the main, you know, empire of poetry is like this, you know, universality of right. you know something something yeah. it's like all these people writing about trees and stuff and you know right. that can be great i like a good tree poem as much as the next person you know yeah. but um then you read then you read uh, but
0: there's not going to be any more trees man if we yeah, keep yeah. going this
1: way yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I took, absolutely. And I, I've seen, you know, ever, even since I've been at NYU, you know, it was like almost 10 years ago now. I, I I've seen such an evolution into and more acceptance into the so-called political palm um as being more, I don't know. There's like almost like an integration between the two. I I've sort of been going in the opposite direction. I I thought I was, but then when I was rereading my book, I was like, Oh Jesus. But I, I was like, it's almost like I want to go like, I want to look at nature more. I think even just looking at nature is a political act at this point because the world is dying and it's our fault. And it's like, you know, the the two are so intertwined. I don't even know what fucking political, you know, it's like, you know, when Trump says like, Oh, and that's, you know, they made it political. It's like, well, this fucking political, you know, it's our life.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: It's our fucking life. It's just like, this is like it. You know, it's, it's to separate it from, to separate the so-called political from, from our, our heart. And like what we, what we witness and care about is sort of horrible. I mean, I, I don't, we, we, we can't, I feel like it's detrimental to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I have a lot of, um, yeah I have a lot of feelings about this kind of thing. I'm my stammering here is me wondering if I should like kind of tell tell a <laughs> story down. and name names yeah. or something and maybe I shouldn't, but um, yeah, I think it's a fine line, you know, because uh to sort of paraphrase what I was gonna say is that I think I think there's a lot of like you know, like someone will write a nature poem and then like just like a one dimensional nature poem, you know, not with like some crushing you know. Mary Oliver line that like rips your guts out or something um and then and then they'll try to say like oh well it's political because the personal is political and the and nature is political because of climate change and stuff like this and it's like you didn't put any climate change in this (laughs) book like yeah this is like a you know even Wordsworth or someone was like in a sense there was a critique of the industrial revolution like inherent in his stuff or whatever but it's like if you just if you're imitating wordsworth without knowing that he was doing that or something it's just like
0: well when it comes down to it it's like look you can have all the intention in the world that you want Mm. if we're if we're not seeing it as the readers then it doesn't matter you know it's like I mean, that can go, that goes anyway. It doesn't matter if you're trying to be political or not. Yeah. If you're trying to make a love poem and it's not a love poem and you're like, well, actually, it is a love poem because I say it is. <laughs> and it's like, well, we did, you know, like you failed yeah. as a poet in like making this a love poem then. And it's not like our successes as writers isn't to write a love poem that looks like a love poem our success as a writer is to write a love poem that doesn't look like a love poem that Mm. is a love poem you know yeah it's like and it's the same with the political poem and like
1: these are good titles I hear some good titles in there love poem that's a love poem even though it doesn't look like a love poem
0: you got to be meta
1: when you said you said you you mentioned you were Struggling with how political to make your work in your book, and did you mean your new one that's forthcoming, or do you did you mean like someone else is writing about, or which like which one?
0: I I didn't mean political. I did. <sighs> I meant more like um. I my new book that I have just i just been like finalizing final finalizing the finalizing version. Um, cool. But I I thought it was about human nature and. It's, you know, I I thought I was being more objective. I think I I set out to I set out thinking I was being objective, but uh, (laughs) we all do. (laughs) I'm afraid it's just about it's it's just about being like you know cripplingly depressed, and it's like the the self, you know. The, the internal world as up against uh, up against nature i think it's hard to see sometimes how universal or objective objective is the wrong word but sort of when you're a writer you're so personal you're 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 writing from your very unique perspective and experience in the world and and it's it can be so difficult to see your poem objectively as another reader would. And you, all you can do is just hope that it's, it's for everyone else and it's not for you, you know?
1: Mm.
0: And I think I, 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 that's all, that's all we can do is just like r- try and write for other people.
1: Yeah.
0: Like through our own experience. So it's, yeah, it's like, when you bring that up against politics, it's, it's hard. It's harder. Um, but we're all in it together. So.
1: And you know, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Your, your description of it's like, you know, like I, I almost detected like uh, like that you were almost like had a, uh, like a dismissive note, about that or something, um, but it's like, when I, I really think that's a huge part of people's lives these days, like the covering up of that, you know, yeah. the covering up of the the kind of plastering over the depression or whatever mm-hmm. that we're all, ex- or, or maybe not even depression, maybe just personal turmoil or like, mm. wow, I can only vote for the lesser of two evils every time I, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And people plaster over it with these shiny, you know, inspo things and hashtag this and blah, 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 that. Or even even in a non-digital way, maybe older generations, boomers or whatever, they they plaster a special garden thing that makes them feel better or whatever. It's like, you know, everyone's sort of um, uh, plastering over that in a sense, which we have to, I guess. But then, you know, if you encounter a book of poems, it kind of reveals that it's like it, there can be this hu- huge sense of relief, I think
0: yeah but yeah we just want to mirror each other you know no we're not alone yeah in, in the void
1: <sighs> yeah and then or yeah i could i mean i could go on i could just harp on this forever but it's like i think because that's such a phenomenon it's almost beings it's like being subsumed into capitalism through maybe not, not like, like, I'm not a Rupee Kowar basher. I think she's cool actually, but like that style of Insta poetry where it is, it will just be like, you know, when you're sad, like, you know, I will always be there for you. And that's the whole poem or whatever. It's like capitalism subsuming that as this product to sell people because capitalism realizes that people value the revealing of the, Oh yeah of the darkness, you know? Yeah. And so they, yeah. they, it creates this very pat wrote one dimensional yeah. crappy one liners yeah. about that. And people are um, consuming that at just huge rates. It's, like, it's, you know,
0: oh, it's so true. I see it on Twitter too. Just yeah. like very like, like similar, just, you know, like it's, it's between it's self care stuff, mm. you know? Um, and it's like, people want it so bad right now. I, I but it's like the line between like ick and like yeah, that's helpful for me, you know, like that I f- feel that emotionally and like
1: yeah. um
0: it's it's but yeah, this like this weird place between like poetry and self-care, you know, s- self-care sort of quotes. Yeah. um is it it's it's making poetry sellable. Mm-hmm. Um and it's you can scare people off really easily by being a little more raw and honest. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, that'll just yeah. do the trick. I mean,
1: yeah,
0: it's like, but I mean, I I hate to like it's it's hard. Like again, like it's like the academia thing. It's like you don't really want to bash people loving poetry in any sort of form. Yeah, um, and you certainly don't want to bash people trying to feel better um, and trying to deal with their. <laughs> you know, our, our sort of mental illness epidemic. I'm just,
1: I'm chuckling because it's like, we certainly don't want to bash anyone in the (laughs) portrait. I've been bashing like,
0: I know, but but. poets, poets love it because, because it's so fucking sacred, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's like, I, I, when I, I'm looking for good authentic, I, you were talking about this when you were talking about the, the, the troubadour interloper, Fagos, um, that it's just like it's that people who water down the market it's just heartbreaking for the real like people that you see that are so good that aren't getting the recognition that they deserve mm. because they demand a little bit more intel- you know, like it, yeah intellect you know we're made mm. to hate the intellectual like mind or the you know the complex mind and fuck that you know yeah it's just like people are so fucking lazy it's so frustrating and poetry is is supposedly demanding, but I am like, I'm I'm like I feel like I you just have to like submit yourself to to it, and yeah. it's it it ceases to be demanding.
1: I know I get, and some of this is like in my book or whatever, but I got like really sucked into the to the to the medieval, you know, Occitan troubadours and stuff because they mm. all these things are. It's they've just been going in cycles over the years. Like they had these three main styles: Trobar Ric, Trobar Le, and Trobar Cluse, which is mm-hmm. like the rich style, which is kind of like you know the good, good shit. Like it's um, it's both readable, but it's it's rich and complex. And there's Trobar Le, which is like the the pop music, you know, the kind of like you know uh, not necessarily bad, but just you know it could be the ease you
0: know, of the palatable yeah
1: you know like, a little sex poem a love poem a yeah. little you know kind of less yeah. less dimensional things and then there's Trovar arclose um which closed style basically um so like rich style light style and closed style and the closed style was like extremely cryptic and complex mm. and intricate mm. and, the and apocrypha yeah gnostic it made me think of like john ashbery or something where mm. there's no there's no Kind of literal meaning at all sometimes yeah. and it's this uh you know or the very intricate cryptic things you know mo- weird modernist cryptic stuff um but yeah
0: yeah but I, I i feel like it's also like remember that it's not nonsense you know i feel like the the cryptic mm-hmm. stuff is I got really into the Gnostic Gospels this past year. It's sort of oh, like cool. waning right now, but like that's like what they were like, they the way that they approach the Bible and, and the sacred texts, you know, um, cool, where that they were meant to be cryptic because only those who took the time to uncover the secrets, um, would be the ones who understood and knew the great secret of existence, the great and you know. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I paraphrase, but, uh, (laughs) but, you know, the, you know, you know, this sort of like out of ignorance into like knowing, Mm -hmm. um, which I, is all we can fucking ask for, right? Yeah. Um,
1: that's interesting. You know, the troubadours were not to like constantly make, uh, you know, throwing these back to troubadours, but they were Gnostics. Like, well, not all of them, but a lot of them were Cathars, you know, this kind of like, weird that makes so much sense like yeah yeah
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense because they were poets um and that's what the poets did and yeah i mean it was i mean careful though because the gnostics
1: were weird gnostics were like really weird too
0: well there was a (laughs) lot i mean some some not people say you shouldn't even use the word gnostics it's like it's like such a massive you know there's many different sects yeah you know it's we we like to like be so broad about everything but it's like the more you read about it and like jesus and the history of it all it's like oh my god it's like yeah. we're so two-dimensional about everything it's like it's like the walmart version of the bible it's mm. like what is like our like perception you know and really it's like these incredible like interesting hidden meanings mm. that behind everything that's like not literal and It's it's like a well it's like for a poet to get to like actually just think abstractly about these sorts of things. It's like holy shit, it's like a wellspring of um of you know cryptic knowledge. Cool. Well, I love okay, this has (laughs) been really fun, Benjamin.
1: I smoke some weed and read the Gnostic (laughs) gospels and you know
0: I love that you've really opened up my mind to the troubadour the bard I, I, I you know I really hadn't hadn't thought that deeply about it and I'm really excited about your book I hope that you finish it quickly so that I can read it
1: I'm working on it working on it
0: it's really incredible <laughs> I I um I'm hoping that you can sing us out with a quote from a poem that you've loved by somebody else.
1: Ah, yes. Um, Yeah, I found this one from a really cool book that uh, I also have trouble shutting up about. It's called Citadel by Martha Sprackland, who's a really wonderful um, young uh, UK poet um, who lived in Spain for a while. so I sort of know her through like the Desperate Literature bookshop in Madrid, um, which was one of my little bases. Um, and Martha just came out with the first full length and it is, uh, it's really cool. It's kind of this like dual voice thing where, um, it's almost like a tin can telephone conversation with Juana La Loca, who is this like really fascinating, tragic figure from Spanish history, um, that she sort of like starts seeing herself in conversation with. And so the poems have this kind of shifting identity um, and uh, yeah, That's but this, awesome. but this one, um, this, this is me trying to stop talking about her book, uh, but this one quote, um, there's also all these motifs that go through it, um, eggs and blood and the color blue. And um, I thought that was really fascinating to see, like, it was like kind of cin- cin- you know uh, cin- cinemagraphic cinema. What is that word? <laughs> um, cinematic, the way know. the way cinematic, cool. the way all these motifs just keep coming. Um, but anyway, this this is the quote which I love because I think poetry has this kind of actual sorcery type thing of um, of allowing people to imagine something and actually feel something that they could never feel. Um, mm-hmm. And so the quote is: uh, "The ship rolls, the days won't stabilize the reeling I feel in the core." that takes my balance. And just when I've forgotten it could exist, another egg drops like a spent coffee capsule through the body of the machine. And when I read that, you know, I'm a male body person. And when I read this, I felt that happening. Like I felt this egg, egg. that I hadn't felt in a long time, like pop out of my fallopian tube. You know what I mean? Oh and I was just like, I was obviously, I can't actually feel that but the poem like got me there or something, you know?
0: Wow. That's amazing. I said, love that. I'm so glad she could do that for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm definitely excited to read the whole poem. Thank you so much for talking with me oh, tonight, yeah. Ben, Thank you. and for everything you do. And I'm so excited for all that you're writing and, um i'm sure we'll talk again because i know we're two two vermont people making it happen so
1: yeah Um, you know when the plague subsides um yeah let's come down and like print a broadside or something
0: yeah we would love that cool definitely